0: Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg reporting for Status Quo News. This week on the Right Wing Insanity Report, we have a great guest. His name is Christopher Goldsmith, and he is an ex-combat veteran that works at exposing right-wing extremists and um, helping take down Nazis. He is the founder of a couple of organizations. One is Task Force Butler. Uh, They sort of look at themselves as uh, Nazi hunters and whatnot. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Very excited to be talking with you today.
1: Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: So right off the bat, I wanna talk about uh, Task Force Butler. So this is your group where you guys hunt out, you know, look for Nazis, -Nazis, neo-Nazis, right-wing extremists. Um, You've had a lot of uh, wins with that. One of your uh, taglines is reclaiming patriotism, which I think makes sense as a uh, veteran. Oftentimes these extremists see themselves as patriot, but what the things they do and say, the fascism uh, that they promote are really not in line with American values. So, um, talk us uh, talk us through how you decided to form this organization and some of your big wins.
1: Yeah. So, Task Force Butler Institute was inspired by uh, Major General uh, Marine Corps Major General Smedley Butler, um, who, you know, if, if you know anything about his history, uh, you might know about his, his anti-war work. But he also helped to uh, to foil a an attempted coup in the United States. The way that he did that was when a bunch of wealthy businessmen came up to him and asked him to lead veterans as part of a coup uh literally to storm congress he basically grabbed a reporter took notes and had a witness there and brought everything to congress and we are very much uh doing the same type of thing when january 6th happened um you know i was an intelligence analyst working for a private company um And I was watching, you know, violence uh, occur as I knew it was going to. And I found myself in a position where I was writing reports for someone else and I couldn't bring them to the public because of an NDA. Um, And I wanted to never end up in that position again. So Task Force Butler Institute is an organization that researches extremists um, who are... You know trying to sabotage and uh, sabotage our democracy we document them we expose them doesn't mean that we dox people right i'm not going right. to post anyone's phone number or address online but i will put a phone number and address in a dossier that i'll give to law enforcement to journalists and to other researchers
0: right which makes sense um let's talk about major uh general butler because that was that period of time this is right around world war ii maybe 1934 1935 I think a lot of folks don't realize that this is not our first time at this rodeo, so to speak. Uh, We had a really big problem with fascism at that point in time. You had the German Bund, uh, you had Christian Front, which is an extreme religious right organization. And they were all looking towards uh, staging a coup. Like this was a real thing that happened and it doesn't get that much attention. Um, Do you know much about that beyond what you already told us?
1: Yeah, so it's um, – oh, I wish I could rem- – if, if I had my book – I'm working remotely. Um, if I had my bookshelf, I'd I have the, the book right on my desk at home. Oh, right um, on. <laughs> it's, it's not hard to find the, the book about weather. Weather. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's – he's an interesting man. He's a man of contradictions. He had a bunch of nicknames. One of them was the fighting Quaker, right? Quakers are supposed to be um, – nonviolent peace activists uh, that that yeah. is literally like their religion uh, but he was you know quite an effective combat marine and you know he oh there you go gangsters of capitalism is, the ah, okay. is the book. so he described his military career as having been a gangster of capitalism um, and after he got out he he worked to um, on kind of a a, a, a a personal journey to uh, bring more good into the world, leveraging his military experience, his status as a well-respected veteran, um, and you know, he he has inspired us uh, to to do you know much of the same. None of us are you know right. <laughs> generals. None of us are, are big shots and famous the way that he was back then. Um, but we are we're part of a growing movement, right? I'm I'm just yeah. the face of it. It's, um, you know, for security reasons, most of our team remains anonymous. Um, but it's, it's a growing cadre of, of veterans around the country who are concerned about our democracy, and not just these, you know, fascist movements that we see it literally assaulting the Capitol in DC, right. but, you know, the Proud Boys chapters, the Patriot Front, the NSC 131, all these explicitly self-described fascist gangs that are becoming um, more locally focused we wow. are not meeting them in the street, right? Like, I I dress like this, right? I'm like tattooed vet, got a beard, looking like a boogaloo type. I can walk up yeah. to these people on the street, <laughs> and they think I'm one of them, um, which which is why I look like this, right? Um, we will not strap on armor or carry guns or get in confrontations with these people. You know, there are other activists who, you know, that's their place to do that. Wow. We're strictly abiding by the law sometimes working with law enforcement when it's advantageous to the situation. We're all about meticulously taking um, and conserving evidence so that it can be used in the court of law, whether that's a criminal case or a civil case uh, for a community that is that is on behalf of a community that has been done damage.
0: Right. So let's talk about that for a second. Um- Most of the neo-Nazis or uh, fascists that have been arrested, I don't know if people realize this, are generally taken down, not over hate crimes and things of this nature. It's generally over um, dealing guns illegally, sometimes drugs. So there are other methods of taking fascists um, off the chessboard, so to speak. So have you been involved in uh, investigating any of those types of crimes with these guys?
1: Um. Or you, if you not, can't
0: say that's okay, <laughs> yeah. So
1: we so we do not ignore any criminal activity, and we will leverage any evidence of any criminal activity that we can to to get people taken off of, of the, the the chessboard. Um, you know, one of the things that that we are trying to go after Patriot Front with is yeah. uh, every time that they commit a hate crime, whether that's property destruction or a violent hate crime, like they assaulted. Uh, a black man on fourth of july last year in boston and a year prior fourth of july assaulted a black man in philadelphia we've we wrote reports called project blacklisted we made it available to law enforcement to um, elected officials to other journalists and researchers and we um because we've infiltrated this organization and i have before task force butler existed for years we've been doing this we understand the culture we understand the language we understand the uh the tactics techniques and procedures that they use uh to uh go out and and plan to commit hate crimes right conspiracy is a crime and when right. I mean, you have a bunch of white supremacists traveling across state lines engaging in interstate commerce as part of the the mission of committing those hate crimes like that that is enough for uh for the feds to start moving now they haven't yet to my knowledge but you know hopefully with enough public pressure we can force the fbi to do the right thing and take down this fascist gang
0: right no i mean i we interviewed uh, Mike German a few weeks back. He was an ex undercover FBI agent that was uh, infiltrated right wing uh, supremacy organizations back in the '90s, and it was interesting to me that he said not every time they were able to get folks, it was generally on gun charges. Yeah. Um, well, so, and obvi- and go ahead. Sorry.
1: One of the most uh, one of the most telling things not not just for white supremacists, but for for the whole gamut of of uh, far extremists is they're they're often committing death, domestic violence either against a, yeah. a partner or their children before they ever wow. you know lash out in violence to anyone on the outside, be that you know in a street by a street fight Life. as the Proud Boys do, or assaulting the Capitol. Domestic violence is is like the number one warning sign for an extremist. Wow.
0: I didn't know that. Interesting. It, but it checks. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, individuals are definitely angry and prone to violence. Um, let's talk about how right wing extremists oftentimes do have a military background. Uh, is it because, in your opinion, you know, having had the experience on both sides of this um, uh, debate, how do you think it's because they're more prone to being sucked into these groups and their propaganda and going down that rabbit hole or is it because they are maybe missing something else in their life and they're open to becoming part of a group that gives them brotherhood? What are your thoughts behind that? Because there are a lot of uh, right-wing extremists, whether it's the you know military groups such as the Oath Keepers, whether it's uh, neo-Nazi groups like Hammerskin Nation, whatnot, I mean, a lot of these guys do have a military background.
1: Yeah, so there. I have not seen any convincing evidence, and I'm talking about like peer-reviewed studies that uh, right. that say that veterans or more service members and veterans are more likely to join extremist organizations or be attracted to extremist organizations than the average person. Okay. Um, the thing that makes veterans stand out in extremism is the same thing that makes us stand out in society. Uh, when a veteran goes to college, a veteran's more likely A, to graduate and B, to graduate with. With With
0: honors, that's true. Yes,
1: (laughs) they're they're more likely to start a business. We're more likely to be community leaders. And that doesn't mean just getting elected. That means, you know, coaching soccer or being a Girl Scout troop leader, right? So whether it's Russian disinformation like the, the Russian IRA or the Republican Party or the extreme right, they're targeting veterans all for the same reason. And that's because of our social capital. And it's, it's not just because of, of our training, you know, our training for violence is like the obvious one, but our leadership training, right. our small unit training, our uh, our everything that we do in the military for training is designed to train the trainer so that once you've done it a bunch of times, you can train the next person. Right. Uh, that type of um, that type of community in training is uh, is essential to these Fringe extremist organizations, because some, you know, a lot of the times their leadership gets taken out, and they want to build something that's perpetual. So, um, yeah. you know, it's it's a common misconception that that veterans are more likely to be extremists, and things like January 6th kind of reinforce that because the initial spurt of arrests, a bunch of veterans got arrested. Now why was it the veterans yeah. who got arrested and
0: also first? police officers i mean it was it wasn't just yes. veterans um, but you're right about the social capital that makes perfect yeah. sense
1: so in and that that ratio you know was extremely high of, of the number of uh, the percentage of veterans among those who were arrested right uh, mm-hmm. that has has you know kind of gone closer to the average when um, when accounting for age and and sex um, interesting but you know why were the veterans arrested first? Because they were at the center of the conspiracy. They were at the tip of the sphere of the violence. And organizations like the Oath Keepers were founded entirely to target right. and radicalize veterans, right? They weren't That's right. trying to radicalize just Americans broadly, right? No. They're, that organization's mission Was to target veterans and to use their social capital, not just their military training, but their social capital, so that it would build legitimacy for this anti government, this fascist movement.
0: That actually makes perfect sense to me. Um, it also, it kind of jives with this idea that a lot of these groups want to, you know, they want to get involved in a race war, so to speak. So they they take military training, um, active clubs are obviously a big thing that's uh, happening right now with the boxing. Um, you know, they they seek out guys that have that ability because they think they, th- they put a prize on it, right? So it makes sense to me that they would target uh, anybody in the military. Uh, you know, recently here in California, I covered in a, an event that happened in San Diego between the Rise Above Movement uh, guys and Patriot Front. They had a set up a boxing ring and had a boxing match. Um, so yeah, so that's something that's spreading too. That's, I think you're right. And I think the social capital is really a clear, obvious thing. Everybody wants the vets on their side, right? They're, they're our country's heroes. So it makes sense that if we can get more of these guys in our ranks, we could say, but we're all vets. How are we fascists? You know, we are, we are patriots. So that makes sense. Thank you for that explanation. Um. So do you think it's compatible then to be part of the anti-fascist movement per se, and also be part of law enforcement or the military? Um, you know, I think historically speaking, I would say the military, the United States military is anti-fascist. Uh, the reason we fought World War II was against fascism, right? So, yeah. but I think that these terms of sort of, um, you know, taking on uh, strange meanings in our current environment, right? So you recently we had an Antifa list that was put on Telegram by a bunch of right-wing groups and they had the FBI and the CIA on there, which was like, oh. <laughs> the, the CIA is Antifa? Are you kidding me? Like, so uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on that?
1: So uh, my, my grandmother's brother who died in France fighting Nazis was an anti-fascist. And so was okay. every American who was with him um that like the original anti-fascists are allied troops american troops wearing you know the stars and stripes uh on their sleeve so anti-fascism is is supposed to be the standard way of life for american troops we literally fought a gigantic war over this and we won so you know A lot of folks think that anti-fascism is incompatible with military service. Well, okay, militant anti-fascism, you know, violent anti-fascism. Yes, that that does break the the rules, the uniform code of military justice. But the type of research that my team is doing, we don't break the law. You know, we we are open source intelligence researchers. We are not committing fraud. Uh, You know, we are not um, you know, breaking into uh, into private networks or or violating the law in any way—it's completely above board. So, you know, we we welcome uh, all veterans to to join our team. Now, that being said, we're a shoestring origin organization. We can't train everybody. We are growing extremely slowly because you know I'm I'm basically paying for all of this operation out of out of pocket at the moment. Um, so we can't take a bunch of new uh, trainees, but but that is the goal. Hopefully we get the funding to to rapidly expand so that we can start uh, building distributed networks of anti-fascist right. veterans around the country.
0: Excellent. Um, let me ask you this. Do you do any work um, de-radicalizing vets that might have been sucked down some of these rabbit holes? I know that that's an area that some folks work in as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that, that's a job for psychiatrists, psychologists, and social workers. It is a tremendous amount of resources, human, yes. financial, and otherwise, that goes into de-radicalizing one person. I would rather infiltrate a neo-Nazi organization, make them paranoid about the plant inside of it, and break them up right. so that they stop radicalizing other people. I, I think that's a better use of my time and resources. But again, I'm not a doc. You know, if I were a doctor, right. You know, maybe, maybe that would be my thing. But our organization is focused entirely on creating disincentives uh, for the fascist way of life. You know, you are free in your first amendment. you can you can be and and you can be racist. You can say racist things. We are just trying to make sure that we use our First Amendment right. To make you pay for those racist and, and you know, fascist ideas. It's, it's not hurting anyone, right? We're, we're not, again, right. we're not violating any laws. We're just making sure that if you want to be a fascist, everyone knows you're a fascist. You know, if you want to embrace that racist right. way of life, we're going to help you embrace that racist way of life until you say enough and you give it up.
0: Right. So let's talk about that process. Um, I know one of the groups you infiltrated was the Aryan Freedom Network, I believe that is out of Texas. So mm-hmm. let's let's talk about how that happens. So you create, uh, I guess, a fake telegram telegram account, you go undercover into these rooms, um, you get to talk with them, they do vetting processes. I know I've experienced firsthand, sometimes they do like, show me a photo of your arm that you're white. But uh, to really take that to the next level, it requires, you know, meeting up with these guys with either a video conference thing or in person, whatnot. Sometimes I've seen them in the chats, they'll say like, meet me at this fast food restaurant and we'll take you through this questionnaire and we'll see if you can become a member kind of a thing. So you've gone through that, you've been able to um, bust up some of these groups that way. Can you walk us through what that entails, what that's like and um, some of the outcomes you've had?
1: Yeah, so I mean, most of these fascist organizations, whether it's Patriot Front, these active clubs, the Proud Boys, the Aryan Freedom Network, they all immerse themselves in the same exact propaganda. So if you're in one of those Mm -hmm. channels, you know, you're A, going to be presented with opportunities to join other ones. uh, And B, you get to learn their lingo and their belief system. And as someone who's, you know, been immersed in this stuff for years now, it's pretty easy for me to switch on and like, again, bald head, blue eyes, big beard, wine shirt, tattoos. <laughs> I, I blend in with these people and they're they're not watching me on MSNBC. They're not watching me on the show, right? So even though right. I'm like very uh, public about my work, you know, these people don't do research. Uh, they're, they're constantly looking out for Antifa is gonna get us. Well, right. you know, I, I, <laughs> I walk right into their conference and they have no idea.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Um, so, talk to us about the, the Aryan Freedom Network, though. I believe you um, got it. So, you had flown a drone to get over their property. I guess they have a compound down there in Texas, and you were able to identify vehicles and whatnot. And then ultimately, one of the members tried to sue you. What was that about?
1: Yeah. So, uh, so the Aryan Freedom Network invited me as, as a, a member uh to join their what they call the white unity conference uh and they were advertising (laughs) it as down in dallas texas so anti-fascists you know around the country who were tapped into this network were you know basically going out and saying hey heads up dallas there's going to be a fascist um fascist gathering in in your neighborhood so um so i went ahead with my team and, and we had you know multiple uh team members join the Aryan and freedom network. We flew down to Texas. We uh, rented a couple of vehicles, used one as our mobile headquarters. And when they said, Hey, we're actually not in Dallas. We're in DeKalb, you know, we took our RV and we just drove right up there. Uh, and okay. they said, meet us at this air pump at this very specific gas station in this basically like one road town where if you're looking for a, a Nazi conference, you're going to find it because there's only one. Right. So,
0: so, Wouldn't be hard to miss.
1: They're not. I mean, giant Confederate flag, 50 right. cars in the lawn. Like, come on, guys. Like, um, They go out of their way to, to hide. Uh, so anyway, so I parked park my RV on top of their meeting spot and just had nice. my team <laughs> nice. with cameras, you know, in multiple vehicles, multiple angles. And NBC's investigations team was also there. Um, we didn't actually know that NBC's investigations team was they there. They were there we undercover? Interesting. We, yeah, we we thought they missed the mm-hmm. mark. And we were all like nervous. We had planned this for months to, to try and get them in. Um, they did a great, great job. And their footage is far better than ours because they're professionals. Um, but yeah, we were, we were sitting, I literally parked on the meeting spot. We just sat there and took pictures Faces and license plates and cars. Wow. Um, and then when it came time for their, you know, little convoy to line up, super obvious and all yeah. turn the same way out of this <laughs> gas station, drive straight down the road and make a left into a driveway. It wasn't You're like, boom, there it is. Out, yeah. like, oh, OK. Your your Nazi conference is on the same road as the secret meetup point. <laughs> um, so then we flew around for. um for a while the
0: map the master uh, race isn't bright <laughs> yeah yeah
1: they're um so we flew around for a while we we gathered as much intelligence as we could um we took a break for five hours got some lunch and then came back uh and then we wanted to let him know that we were watching so we flew the drone uh not low you know very high above this guy's property um and uh, let them know that they were being watched, and they were very yeah. upset about it. Uh, the young ones you could see, who probably hadn't been identified before, went and ran towards the forest. It was quite <laughs> comical. Um, <laughs> it was, it was good. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying not to laugh through this. So
0: I know, right?
1: <laughs> so we've got the drone footage. The drone is a tiny little thing. It's a little itty bitty micro drone. Just flying above them and they're, you know, mean mugging it, looking like they're, you know, gonna stare right. it out of the sky or something. Um yeah. <laughs> hung out for another hour above their heads and they couldn't figure out that we were just right next to them. Um, right? So, yeah, we were we were like in a car right next to them. It had right. no clue. Um so, It's very
0: funny. No, I, I've been in similar situations where I they I have actually been in private chats where they're mentioning me by name, like how did you know this journalist know where? And I'm like, in mean, your chat room. <laughs> it's very funny. So um, I also wanted to point out, I saw some of that drone, drone footage. It looked like there was a, a a wood pile that was in the shape of a swastika. Yeah. Also a dead giveaway.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know had. Had the drone just been, you know, looking for them? Had we not seen them just drive down the only road and pull into the house with the giant Confederate flag and 50 cars on the lawn? Like, had we not found that, like, seeing the swastika from the air, which was huge. um, (laughs) Huge. You know, it's one of those things that they, like, burn it, like, they burn a cross kind of thing at the end of the night because that's what they get off on. Um, So, yeah, it was, was like, it was really easy for us to show... NBC and be like, yes, like these are definitely the Nazis here. Look on this you know, video right here. That's the swastika in in their backyard. Um, so yeah, so we, we, that was on a Saturday, uh, in late October, I believe. And by Monday, uh, Henry Dalton stout, who I believe is the founder, if not the leader of the airing freedom network and the property owner, uh, sued me for invasion on seclusion and, um, and trespassing. Um, you don't hmm. own the air above your house. I mean, no. Delta flies <laughs> a plane above me. Now I'm going to sue Delta. Right. Like that's the dumbest right. thing ever. No. And they yeah, were in no. an open field in Texas. There's no seclusion. Right.
0: Like, There's no seclusion or privacy protection. Yeah.
1: So if they had been uh, inside
0: a house, they might have had a complaint. But no, not in the field. Yeah. 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 So, they just got busted uh, being Nazis. Yeah.
1: So the guy who filed the suit, though the the lawyer uh, is he's a guy named. Jason Lee Van Dyke, who's been on our radar forever. He's the guy who actually filed- Oh,
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. Proud Boy. So he's the guy who filed the paperwork to make Proud Boys International LLC a legal entity, right? So he's the first chairman of the Proud Boys. He's a practicing lawyer in Texas who drives a silver Honda Ridgeline, which is the least popular pickup truck on the planet because it's ugly and it's stupid. Guess what we saw in the video? Silver Honda line. So he was there with his Nazi oh. buddies and he thought it was a good idea. Like, I'm gonna file this right, right away. Like, how do you get to writing so fast, Jason? Hmm, are you a mm, Nazi? Yeah. Are you hanging out with the Nazis? You
0: can try to deny Nazi. it, but we've you got know, the footage. That's right, they all try to deny it, but it, there's so much crossover there. And then he also, Jason went after um, some folks up in, I believe it was Arizona where mm-hmm. he had been sending Proud Boys to this guy's residence, threatening them. Yeah, he's he's an angry, violent guy. Um, I don't. Th- yeah. I think he got chased out of the Proud Boys, though, because even he went too far for them. But having said that, I do think there is a lot of crossover that I've seen between Proud Boys and neo-Nazi organizations. This right. idea that they're not racist is absurd. Um, well, that's a great story. Jason I, also, go ahead.
1: So, so Jason also hosted... Patriot front and, and their leader Thomas Rousseau right. uh, at his house for Thanksgiving, like a, a Thanksgiving themed dinner that was prior to okay. Thanksgiving. So if press asks him, Hey, did you have them over for Thanksgiving? He says, no, I had my mom over for Thanksgiving. Well, Patriot front posted videos of your backyard. So
0: yeah, there you go. Like, Interesting. Let's you know, talk about Patriot two front. two Nazi
1: organizations in a month. That's two, like, yeah. It's it's more than a coincidence.
0: That's right. So Thomas Rousseau, he was originally with a group called Vanguard America that had been uh, one of the predominant players at the Charlottesville Unite the Right Mm -hmm. rally. Kind of got destroyed after Seville, uh, but he came out, reformed Patriot Front, which is, I would say, probably the largest of all of the uh, neo-fascist organizations in America right now. Um, Oftentimes, though, a lot of the other neo-Nazi groups, kind of point out patriot front and say that they're feds that they're federal agents and that it's a plant which i think is kind of bizarre it's obviously not the case that mm-hmm. that's true but that had been some of the conspiracies surrounding and from other aryan groups why do you think that is
1: um so i embrace those conspiracy theories i, I think it's i think oh, it's great do? that all the, okay. matter, the republicans think that they're feds in fact sure okay yeah. i believe that like <laughs> that's fine cool <laughs> Like I got you. Patriot Fronts are it's, yeah, are a bunch of feds. It's
0: Discord, right? Okay. <laughs>
1: I've I've been a member of Patriot Front three yes. times. Like, so if they're worried about right, plants, so you were yeah. were
0: you in the like, Unicorn Riot leaked Discords? Were you in those chats?
1: Uh, no. Well, I was my name as wasn't. your fake
0: account. I mean, yeah. No, okay. No. Oh, but yo, your so actual d- name discussions
1: was as of, uh, discussions of me were in the, the,
0: uh, oh, the Unicorn Riot
1: League, but not me myself.
0: Okay. Okay, because I think you infiltrated Patriot Front as well. So what was, what was, what was the story behind that?
1: Um, so a buddy of mine who I served in the Army with, who is, um, every time he calls me, my life goes off in a crazy direction. Long story short, <laughs> he, he called me and said, hey, Goldie, I infiltrated a neo-Nazi organization and I want you to help me take them down. There's no pre-discussion to this. We hadn't talked There's- in months, if not years. And that was it, and now I'm a professional Nazi hunter, um, right so yeah <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> that's funny
1: that, that's those that's are the best story. kind of friends.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: really abbreviated, but but that's it. yeah, a buddy I served with was concerned enough with the Nazis in his neighborhood that he infiltrated this organization, reached out to me now my in my prior life, I was a veteran advocate. I was working on Capitol Hill for a major veteran service organization, so like people see pictures of folks like me at the white house or, you know, shaking hands with someone like, you know, uh, the, um, now deceased Senator McCain and they make lots of assumptions yeah. about things that we can do. Right. He was thinking, I would right. just call up the FBI or my buddy Senator McCain and be like, Hey, there's a neo-Nazi organization. We've got a list of all the members. This is where they live. This is Here their you go, numbers. go arrest them. Yeah. Here you go, go arrest them. That's not the way these things work. So instead, no. uh, you know, we, documented uh, pretty religiously, like every bit of evidence that we could, we handed it over to Buzzfeed and then Buzzfeed published uh, the the inside scoop of, of what Patriot Front is, you know, what? Um, how they've painted uh, Vanguard America, the fasc- explicitly fascist, you know, with the faces on it, yeah. uh, fascist organization um, in red, white, and blue. And they try to deny, oh, we're a new organization. No, we're not. Tom Rousseau, it, was the leader of Vanguard America. Uh, Heather Heyer was murdered by a member of right. Vanguard America. And then he painted everything in red, white, and blue. Same organization. It's not different. Yep.
0: Not different at all. I agree with you. It is very similar crossover, obviously. I just think that there was so much um, toxic stuff attached to Seville that a lot of these organizations had to rebrand or just you know go underground for a while. So mm-hmm. um, I wanna talk about your other group, Sparver. Spar- <laughs> Sparvarius, Sparvarius, Sparvarius. Yep. So this is your consulting firm um, that you—it's been—it was also instrumental in exposing Patriot Front, but other organizations as well. Um, But I think your main focus there is right-wing militia groups. Is that correct?
1: So Sparvarius is a consulting firm that uh, that I launched. I launched that before Task Force Butler.
0: after okay. January
1: 6th, because I, I never wanted to be in a position where I was writing intelligence reports for someone else that would get buried. Instead, I wanted to be, yeah. be able to bring them to the public when necessary. So I still have clients that, you know, I have to keep their work secret, but they're all nonprofits and they publish like. their research for the good of, of the world. Um, and one of the things that came out of Sparvarius was every time that I ended up, you know, on TV or in a newspaper clip talking about my work of, of being um in an anti-fascist veteran who's using open source intelligence research, I would have veterans hit me up on on LinkedIn, on uh Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, basically saying, like, hey, put me in, coach. Like, how can I help? And ethically, right. you know, I couldn't use my business to engage volunteers and I don't have money to pay anybody. Um, so me and and a couple of my colleagues created this nonprofit task force Butler Institute. So that we can slowly, again, we don't have any money yet. Uh, we can slowly train other veterans um, to safely perform open source intelligence research to hold fascists accountable and to impose costs on fascists and racists, uh, racists, you know, in their, uh, in their, you know, their region, their city, their state, uh, and nationally.
0: Right. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the tactics that you folks use. Uh, sewing discord, I think is an obvious one. What are some examples of that? Um,
1: well, the fact that I've infiltrated Patriot Front three times, um, that, that has, has uh, made a lot of their potential recruits think twice about whether right. whether or not they want to go down that way of life, because I'm not the only infiltrator of Patriot Front, right? And people do it regularly. Right. There are anti-fascists, anonymous anti-fascists who I don't know, love to work with, though, um, who infiltrated as a hobby to keep their community yeah. safe. You know, I can guarantee if you join an organization like Patriot Front, an anti-fascist is already in that group, they will find out who you are oh, in 100%, real life. Yeah. And it may take a week, may take two years. Eventually, you're going to be exposed and it's going to get expensive. You know, you're probably going to lose your close relationships. Uh, You're probably going to lose your job. When you lose your job, you start to lose a lot of other things, your car, your house, your security. Right. So, you know, our our sewing of discord is primarily by showing our work, showing the public, uh, you know, Either directly or through uh, through journalists, you know, publishing pieces about our work. That we're not, you know, uh, exaggerating about what we do. We are physically present. It's not just online. We're physically present, and we're gathering evidence in real time. And we're meticulous about it. Right. We again, yeah. we don't dox people. Everything that we put out in public gets vetted first. Goes through journalists. Yeah. Um, who you know have so it's double checked yeah <laughs> right.
0: right and and law and legal counsel that looks at it too mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that makes sense um you know it's interesting because so much of so much of the the work that's done behind the scenes of a lot of this uh publications on on public publication of articles on right-wing extremists extremism does come from anti-fascist researchers Um, I'm thinking back also to the start of the White Lives Matter movement when that first started taking off on Telegram. Um, Some anti fascists formed some fake uh, WLM chapters. Yeah, you probably saw
1: this. (laughs) It was pretty funny.
0: It was so good. So, for folks that don't know what we're talking about, basically they set up these uh, fake Telegram chat rooms and said that they were the new White Lives Matter chapter for, I don't know, Montana, Arizona, Mm -hmm. California, whatever it was. And after people started joining and chatting and sharing their information, you log in one day and it says, this has been an anti-fascist uh, action. We know who you are, mm-hmm. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I, and I had been in a couple of those rooms. I just laughed so hard. I was like, that's, that's good.
1: Yep. <laughs> so I those mean, guys
0: all started freaking out a little bit. Um, so I think, you know, my thing is this. I understand making these guys uncomfortable in their skin, making them uncomfortable to go out into the world and say hateful things, commit acts of violence, whatnot. That's a very effective uh, tool to slow down the spread of fascism, which is obviously a problem currently. I, so, But these guys want to complain about, well, that's my free speech. And my thing is this. It's like you guys, it's not that you're into free speech. You just want to be able to say what you want to say without it having any consequences to it. So it's only free speech for you and not anybody else, because free speech means that everybody that's against what you're doing also has that same freedom and gets to use it to, you know, criticize you. So mm-hmm. how did they get to this place that where there's such snowflakes? They just like, I want a safe space to say these hateful things. You don't get to tell me I can't do it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean the preeminent example is Jason Lee Van Dyke, this this yeah. you know, still practicing <laughs> lawyer in Texas who's,
0: which is you know, remarkable, honestly,
1: <laughs> went and, and hung out at a neo-Nazi conference and then sued a veterans organization for, you know, doing First Amendment protected uh, like journalism is the only like thing, the only um, uh, occupation. That that is protected explicitly in the Constitution, yeah. right? And we, we aren't journalists, but we do collect information and provide it to journalists. And for Jason Lee Van Dyke to, you know, want to be able to go out and shout racist slurs and not face any consequences, well, I, I'm just, I just want to help you get your voice out there. You know, I'm not making anything up. I'm just recording. Right. <laughs> I just want to help you share your First Amendment right. Right. What what's yeah. wrong with that? I I don't know why this. Well, you, that, you know, this But guy that's exactly it. it. What start. is
0: well? What is wrong with it? That why don't they see that? They must see that there's something wrong with these viewpoints, otherwise they wouldn't be so afraid of being public about them, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, so. so you know, it it's, Go ahead. Sorry. Every every accusation for these fascists is an admission, right? When they yeah. when they say they're <laughs> yeah. they're persecuted. Their, right. uh, you know, their freedom of speech is, is being squelched. It's like, these people are disconnected from reality and they are projecting.
0: They are. No, they 100% are. You know, it's almost like when I've done some reporting on some of these things, and you're right, you tell it just like it is, I don't have to editorialize the problem here because it's obvious to anybody that's not involved in these movements. But those the guys in the movements, they get upset because they're like, what do you mean all, everybody doesn't see this as glory? But what we're doing is like patriotism. It's glory. It's but th- but that is their worldview that they've been sucked into. It's not reality, and it's certainly not how most Americans view them. And I think that's kind of a shock to them in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's strange that they they are so disconnected that they've got this like dueling personality where they recognize what they're doing is, is inherently wrong and disgusting, objectively wrong. Um, but they also, you know, want to be proud of it as they hide their faces and yell about people with masks. Right. right? Like there are so many contradictions in this way of life. Um, (laughs) you know, and, and I try to encourage, uh, encourage their behavior. Like if they want to join an active club, they can meet a nice military veteran who is a combatives instructor who's going to beat the hell out of them and call a training. Right. And then, and then <laughs> their information is going to go to people like me. So, yeah, I, I encourage right. those folks. Go ahead. Join your active club. Go, go meet a, a former military combatives trainer who's going to give you a bunch of concussions yeah. and then is going to ruin your life. I don't know, you're asking right. for it. It's so so.
0: Good. you're right. So let's talk about active clubs uh, for a minute, because I uh, I think your average American has absolutely no clue what that is. Mm-hmm. So the origin of these active clubs, I would say, is rise above movement. This is the neo uh, neo neo-fasc- fascist Nazi organization that was started here in California by one Robert Rundo and a handful of other people. He has now fled the country. I think he's in Serbia or Bosnia or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a bench warrant out for his arrest for some some crimes he committed here. But he kind of put this idea out there, <clears throat> I wanna say starting in about 2017, where you know, it was combining elements of fitness, uh, boxing, staying in shape uh, with elements of uh, neo-Nazism, fascism. So he married these things together. So now these things are cropping up like weeds across the country. It seems like mm-hmm. every small town has an active club now. And it's basically a neo-Nazi group that each other up. I mean, for lack of another way to describe yeah. it, um, what are what are your thoughts on that? Because it does seem kind of strange that that has taken hold so greatly and has become such a great uh, marketing tool for these guys.
1: Yeah. So, so part of the reason for the pl- sudden seeming sudden prol- proliferation of these active clubs is after January sixth, the fascist organizations, be it the Proud Boys or, or anyone else recognize that if they have a hierarchical leadership structure, they're screwed when the top guy gets arrested, sends them into disarray. Oh, right. So uh, so Rondo and a, a lot of similar fascist leaders and influencers and podcasters have really pushed this idea of, of you know, focusing local. And, um, and it, you know, they're using the same tactics as the Republican Party with these, like, you know, getting people voted onto school boards. And often there's a lot of crossover like in Miami, you know, a bunch of proud boys are now on the Republican committee, uh, for, for the, I guess, city or or county down there. So, um, this, uh, semi-autonomous cell thing allows them to go and, you know, have a centralized, um, ideology, uh, a unified aesthetic, Right. So we've got the, the black and white for the, the active clubs. We've got the red and or the yellow and black for the proud boys. Right. So they've got the same general ideology, but if you take out, you know, the leader, uh, if police take out the leader or a community imposes costs on the leader of one of those organizations now, instead of taking out the entire nationwide or global organization, they're just taking out the, the little guys. Now, what they don't recognize is, um, is that every time they purchase something from robert rondo who's an overseas fugitive and they use those stickers or you know from tommy rousseau down in texas with patriot front when they make those purchases of those propaganda of those stickers while well, they're funding terrorism and in the case of rondo that's international so they think that like they're like oh you know you can't you can't get us well guess what like everybody has bank accounts your crypto wallets can be traced And every single one of you who've ever paid for a sticker can be found by law enforcement. And when you are materially supporting terrorism, that's a serious charge. And when there's a paper trail or a digital paper trail, the evidence is solid. Like it doesn't take much more than that uh, to wrap up, you know, potentially hundreds of people at once. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about their uh, you know, their, their sticker pyramid scheme. Their are merchandising.
0: St- yeah. <laughs>
1: still got, still got Rundo and Thomas at the top and little tentacles that go through everybody in the network. So, you know, That's yeah, true. I encourage them to keep buying stickers. Go ahead. keep. Buying- we'll keep documenting <laughs> exactly. it. You know, it's, it's, it's not just wire fraud. It's mail fraud. It's, uh, material support for terrorism talking about major, major charges. And if you're a 21 year old, who's like, I'm a loser, I wanna hang out with guys and, and punch each other in the head and put stickers up. Okay, go ahead, do that. Get 30 years, yeah. that's cool.
0: <laughs> exactly, so um, I wanna talk a little bit about how they're really super hyper-focused right now on homophobic issues, trans individuals. This seems to be their the the rallying cry that they're all getting behind all of a sudden. Um, Why do you think that happened? Because in the past, this was like a not really a thing for fascists to focus on. But now they're laser focused on it.
1: Mm -hmm. So there's a guy named Christopher Rufo, um, who uh, Governor DeSantis just put onto like the college board or something like that. Like now he's officially he's a right wing activist who is officially involved in Florida's education system in some way. So Christopher Rufo is a guy who's. Sole purpose for his career is to come up with ideas of how to take something good and paint it as something bad. Um, he was the one who popularized popularized the term. Um, uh, uh, not not uh, what was it? Oh, I'm blanking. This is terrible. That's um,
0: <laughs> It happens to me all the time. <laughs> it's an anti-trans thing. Uh,
1: No, the criminal justice thing, Um, the uh, critical race theory, CRT, right? Oh,
0: critical race theory. Okay, I got you. Christopher
1: Russo is uh, Christopher Rufo is the guy who popularized CRT and reduced it down to it's the Fox News boogeyman, right? Um, Yeah. So that is how White Lives Matter last summer became suddenly like in college boardrooms, uh, yeah. you know, having members of White Lives Matter recruiting, you know, other Proud Boys and other fascists and growing that organization, yeah. right? So this summer, groomer um, became the slur. It became the, yeah. you know, the far right rallying cry. And guys like Governor DeSantis have also embraced that kind of thing, have started spreading a lie about how the LGBT community is um, you know, doing bad things, right? Um, right. They have, have used these cultural touch points as, as triggers to radicalize people who identify as conservatives, who are brainless Fox News watchers and who are, yeah. you know, very easy to get into the conservative to fascist pipeline. Um, you know, and, and, when you have somebody like Ron DeSantis, who's now the most popular figure on Fox News, is very likely gonna get the presidential nomination for the Republican Party in twenty-four. Yeah,
0: I think you're right.
1: This is a really dangerous I thing. So right. this is stochastic terrorism. This is uh, something that uh, folks like uh, Haya Reitchik, uh the, um, the libs of TikTok um, user yeah. uh, on Twitter, uh, They are trying to build a movement to, A, monetize it. Like It's always a pyramid scheme, whether it's Tommy Rousseau or it's Rundo Overseas or it's uh, Rychik. They all want you to buy their stickers and their T-shirts because that's how they want to make money. And making people afraid by lying to them um, gets people to vote. You know, whether that's we're afraid of a foreign enemy, so we're going to vote for the pro-war candidate, or we're afraid of crime, so we, you know, vote for the tough on crime person. Well, if they think that their kids are being targeted or something like that, or their kids are being brainwashed, um, they're going to respond, you know, with with every bit of of hate and vitriol.
0: So it's interesting. So they're almost using it as a a red pilling mechanism to kind of get the normie conservatives onto the fascist pipeline. Um, And I think it has been effective. Um, Wildly though, what I find really disturbing about the whole thing is that, and this is probably not a well-known thing, but there have been a lot of neo-Nazis that have been dealing in child porn. Like one of the guys from Adelwaffen had child porn in his computer, one from the base. The Zoomer guy from uh, uh, not USA, but the other American first, uh, America first. He had. Chi- yep. Yeah, he had child porn on his phone. So it's almost like you were saying earlier how every every criticism they lob is really just telling on themselves in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because this is hardcore stuff that's really disturbing. Um, so let me ask you this. What group out there do you think is the scariest, most capable of doing something disturbing coming up? Like if we are to monitor somebody or be concerned about somebody, who do you think that group is?
1: Um, so the ones who are most capable of damages are uh, and violence, the ones who are most capable of, of um, creating conditions of violence are are not like the the Proud Boys or the Patriot Front or anyone like that, it's it's really Fox News. In Fox, Fox oh, News and okay. Newsmax and, and the rest of those, is the reason why there was an, an insurrection at the Capitol. I mean, that was very close okay. to being a successful coup. So the most dangerous group out there are conservative media outlets. And that includes yeah. you know all of these podcasters uh, and, and fringe figures who, well, they're not fringe. I mean, Bannon is one of the most popular people on, on the right in terms of building an audience. Charlie Kirk, right. you know, Charlie Kirk bust people to DC. You know, he's, he's one of these people. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Kirk is, has been part of the, I mean, he is a groomer, right? He created an organization for kids To radicalize them into conservative ideals that have nothing to do with conservatism but everything with violence against the LGBT community and subjugating women and uh, being afraid of people of different skin tones, right? So people like Charlie Kirk, who have tons of money, who are reaching into the minds of children and who are um, helping radicalize them into the beginning of the fascist pipeline for these smaller organizations like... Patriot Front or active clubs or something like that. It's the Trolley Kirks that are really doing the big damage.
0: I, you know, what that's an interesting perspective, and I think there is absolute truth to that. They have a they have a much farther reach, and they are the ones that start sucking them into these ever more increasingly radicalized, um, you know, rabbit holes that these guys get into. And they keep hearing that stuff over and over. I I don't disagree with that. Um, let me ask you a question, Chris. If people want to support your work, um, find out more about you your organizations, where's the best place for them to go?
1: Taskforcebutler.org. Uh, we, we, okay. you know, every dollar counts. Uh, we are trying to go from an all volunteer organization that, you know, I'm, I'm paying my staff from my company to help me build. We're hitting a, a point where we've got like a month and a half left, uh, and then none of it works anymore. So, you know, okay. every dollar counts. If you're thinking about, um, you know, making a big impact, Uh, taskforcebutler.org we've got a couple of donate buttons you can also uh, read about our work there you can read about our uh, project blacklisted where we exposed and identified dozens of members of patriot front and um, wrote about how they were every hate crime is an interstate conspiracy we wrote about uh, lives of TikTok and how 50 percent of uh of the tweets that she makes against a specific individual place location like a gay bar ends up having a, a real world uh, or online yeah. harassment campaign actually um, metastasized. Uh, and you can see the video of uh, when NBC was was tagging along, you know, following us as we infiltrated yeah. the Aryan Freedom Network. And uh, you know, as, as you said before, it resulted in a lawsuit that they dropped. Um, But if you want to make a Nazi cry, donate at taskforcebutler.org because they hate us more than anybody (laughs) else.
0: If you want to make a Nazi cry, that's a great line. Um, And also, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you think is important that we should discuss?
1: No, I I really think that's it. I mean, again, we're a a bootstrapping organization, but in the next couple of weeks, we're really trying to get to the point where we can make this sustainable so we can pay our staff what they're worth. What we do is very dangerous. Uh, You know, the real world effects of this uh, can be deadly. Um, We need to make sure that we have security for our members. So again, If some rich person is watching this and they want to set loose a bunch of American veterans against America's Nazis, like we are a turnkey organization and a a big check would do just that.
0: Yeah. Right on. All right, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a really interesting conversation um, and I really appreciated your insights.
1: Thank you. It's, It's been great to be on.